Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Because today's message is winter is here. Not coming, it's here. And what do we do in the winter of our lives? Thank you, worship team. We read in, um, take your seats, we read in Ecclesiastes 3, and if you like Ecclesiastes, you know, he's the guru. If you want to know anything about life, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are great. Songs of Solomon is excellent as well. But we read here in verse 1, For everything there is a season, a time and a matter under heaven. A time to be born, to die, to be planted, to be plucked up from being planted, to kill, to heal, to break down, to build up, to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to dance, to cast away stones, to pick up stones, to embrace and to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. We see here in our fallen world, there's times, there's seasons. You know, When you look at the uh, creation of the earth, um, God made four seasons, winter, summer, spring and autumn. Yeah. I can tell you that we all love we don't like winter, especially if you're like in Victoria or you know some of those really cold places. But we don't like winter, do we? Some of us don't like summer too because it's too hot, right? We sort of like to hang around. The spring's great, autumn's okay. Uh, the rest of the years we put the aircon on, you know, whether it's the heat us up or cool us down. But the biggest problem about aircon, when I um, first of all went to the Three Brigade up in Townsville. They've got this whole, you know, Laverick Barracks. It's a fairly brand new barracks. None of the rooms, except for where we go into the secret place, and that's because it's all locked up and there's no windows, none of them are air-conditioned. They made it, the commander made a decision. The only way to be acclimatised is to live in the climate. If we're going to go out bush, we need to live in the climate. But sometimes we feel in our heart that we love our air climate. We live in a world today which is all about comfort, immediate responses, immediate action. We, we, we live in a world that says, I want to be comfortable. I don't like being challenged. I don't like being offended. I don't like being whatever. But we live in a world where the whole world is aircon, and we have lost the sense of seasons. But the problem with getting the seasons is some things happen in winter that don't happen in any other season. There's things that happen in summer that can't happen unless it's in summer. But if we don't read the seasons of our life and the seasons of our our existence, the problem is we're ill-equipped for when the summer does turn up. Because we didn't do what was right in the winter because we had the heater on. So when the summer comes, it's too hot for the small plants and they die. And so we're going to talk about this today. Uh, One of my favourite guys is Noah. Good bloke, Noah, wasn't he? (laughs) Or is? We read in Genesis 6. Now, the Lord uh, saw the wickedness of man was so great on the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And God and the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. I mean, that's pretty sad. We're talking like maybe the best part of a thousand years after Adam. Uh, at this time, people were living really pretty long years. You know, um, when Noah was found grace in the sight of God, he was 500 years old. 
It's at this point that God makes a decision after the flood that man would only live to 120. He then reduces it again to 70, and if you've got good help, 80. And Wally, where are you? You're doing great. <laughs> and Carl, he's doing extra great. But the point is, God reduced our lifespan because our heart was so evil. Because our, what we could do in a lifetime of a heart, could you imagine if we all lived to 900, what sort of, what sort of atrocities we'd get up to? <laughs> so to protect us from, and protect our children, right, and our children's children, 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 children's children, from our bad influence, he cut our years because of our evilness of our heart. And, the, and he says in verse 11, and the, and the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and it was full of violence. And the Lord saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh was corrupted in their way on the ways of the earth. And he said to Noah, I have determined to make end of all flesh, for the earth, the earth is full of violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark. Now, you, you, you poor old Noah, you're 500 years old, you know, and he says you're going to build an ark. And he says you're going to build it, and it's a big, it's a big boat. It's 300 cubics long. It's... 50 cubics wide, and it's 30 cubics high. And Noah did it. It's interesting here, you know, the Bible the Bible almost whizzes 100 years, like in a couple, a couple of verses. All of a sudden you've got ark, you know, told to build an ark, now I've got an ark. But we, you know, I always think about, what was that 100 years for like for Noah? Okay, it worked out to be about 15% of his life, which for us, if we lived to about 80, <coughs> is about 10 years. So I want you to think about a 10-year lifespan, or 10 years of your life being committed to building an ark. <laughs> so that, that puts it in our context. But building an ark, and we sit here and we go, Adam had died about 126 years before the birth of Noah. Okay? Moses, Adam lived to 930. So this is 126 years after the death of, of Adam. Now, this is an interesting thing. Adam walked with God. What's interesting, though, is, you know, he would have been like the guru. He, he, like, he's the big daddy. He's like, the, everyone that's alive is, comes from him. And, uh, <coughs> and, he's, and, and the whole world was corrupt. You think, what did, what did Adam learn from the Garden of Eden? What did he teach his kids, his kids' kids, his kids' kids, his kids' kids? The heart is desperately wicked. And so Noah would have heard from the grandkids of, of, of Adam who would have been alive at the time through what they call oral tradition. So they would talk about the history of the, of, of the, of the earth. And so Adam and Eve, had be, their children had become evil and had lost their divine purpose. But Noah was not someone who lived in the crowd. He, you know, he, he had been on Instagram. He probably wouldn't have been on Instagram. He wouldn't have been on Facebook. He wouldn't have been going for the likes. You know what I mean? He would have been, he would have been just cruising around doing his thing quietly. And there's not much it says about what Noah did in his first 500 years. Pretty much, there's nothing that records whether he was a great man, a man of faith. Well, we know he's a man of faith. We know that he, he, he believed, what, obviously, the truth of God. But there's nothing that says that he was powerful, that he had a lot of money and all that sort of stuff. But there's two questions I always find that sets us up to know where we are uh, in life. First one's in Genesis 3, verse 9. These are the first two questions God asked man. And the Lord said unto the man, where are you? That's a big question, isn't it? Where are you? 
Because where are you is where our position is. You know what I mean? We, we need to know what our position is. Because often we don't know what our position is. But if you don't know what your position is, well then, how do you know where to move? What to do next? Because you don't know what your position is. The next thing is you look at Genesis 4 verse 9, and he said to Cain, where is Cain your brother? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? Now that's our purpose, isn't it? As, as Christian said, to love God and to love others is our purpose. So where are you and what's your purpose defines our destiny. Okay, and, and no one obviously knew that. Dreams are just thoughts and lovely visions, good intentions, but purpose requires action. Without action, you will not get to where you want to be. You'll be just like a ship without a rudder floating on the sea and nothing happens. Or you go wherever the storm takes you <coughs> and the storm of life. And particularly if you want to live in an air-conditioned uh, ship, you won't even know that you're in the middle of winter or the middle of summer or the middle of spring. The problem about not knowing our seasons is, if you're a farmer, I don't see too many farmers going on the 1st of June, oh my goodness, dear Heavenly Father, it's winter. <sighs> now how am I going to survive? They don't do that. They go, in winter, it's time to get preparing for the planting. So there's a lot of work to do in winter in, in farming to get ready to be able to plant at the right season. Yeah. They've got to get the equipment right, they've got to get their stores right, they've got to get their seed right, they've got to get ready so that when this early spring arrives, they're prepared for the planting in the early spring. When the gentle spring rain turns up and the gentle sun activates their plants, then what happens is in summer, the plants are growing and can withstand the heat of summer. But the heat of summer actually increases their growth. And, and, and builds them up. But if we don't understand winter and we don't do the preparation in winter of the seasons of our life, we will not plant in early spring. We may plant in early summer. And then we wonder why our crop fails because we did not correctly see the seasons of our life. Yeah. Our journey in God is no different. If we want to get the harvest in autumn, we have to know the season of our life. And if you're in a winter today, the question is, what preparation are you doing? Because I, I'll tell you a little fact. God doesn't guarantee you that you'll live to 100. Okay? Sorry to tell you that. We're all going to die. At some stage, we're all going to die. Some of us earlier than others. That's just, that's just the fallen world we live in. And to be honest, God doesn't really matter whether you, you get there with two legs, one leg, whatever. Because circumstances prevail us. But what he wants is your heart and your purpose to reach your destiny. He wants you to be spiritually healthy. He wants you to be spiritually focused. He wants you to be in communion with him, in relationship with him at a spiritual level. It doesn't matter if your body's broken. No, I wake up every morning and I've got a, <laughs> as old age starts to creep in, I've got an Achilles that won't uh, work properly. Um, if I sit down for more than half an hour, you know, I feel like I'm a cripple. Um, you know, I've got a hand that doesn't quite work anymore after I cut through it. Um, and but the thing is, they're just things that will get me still into heaven. You know what I mean? It, it's that, that's the bottom line, isn't it? So if you don't know what your, what your position is and you don't know what your direction is, you are lost. And in this world, being lost is pretty sad and pretty tragic and very scary. When, I first, when we joined the army, 
they took us out in the big uh, truck, so we didn't know where we were going. They drove around for ages, so we didn't, they definitely didn't know where we were. And then they dropped us off, put us in team to two, and said, make your way home. So we had a map and a compass, that's all we had. So from the map, we'd uh, look at some hills, take some back bearings, three points, to position ourselves. Then I actually then we knew where we were. Because you look at the map, you go, where are three points that are in those directions? So then we look through this big map and go, oh, we must be there. Then we knew where we wanted to go, so then we just set our compass and we started walking home. Very good. But you can't walk home unless you know where you are. And so for us, in Christ, we need to know where we are, what season we're in, so that we can do what's necessary, so that we can be the destiny to bring the harvest of God. The harvest of God is what we do to impact our world for Christ. It's not about whether we're going to be rich, whether we're going to be healthy, whether we're going to be happy. They're all secondary blessings. But the primary purpose is, and I love that song where it says, uh, all things good. We should add in one more line, but it probably doesn't make it in the music, which is, God works for all things for good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We, a lot of Christians just love that first bit. All things work together for good. Thinking that God's this belittling God who goes and just hands it out to everybody who wants to live their life the way they want to live it. He doesn't do that. Because if we have idolatry in our heart, the biggest idolatry in the world today is pride. Right? You know, I, I have to check myself all the time with pride because pride probably started from the day of Adam right through to now. The number one thing that we have in our world today is pride. And what does pride look like? You know what I mean? It's, it's when we believe our rights override the rights of others. It's when we, when we challenge or we get upset about something, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Is it going to build the kingdom of God? Is it going to challenge people to God? Are you pushing people away or are you drawing people to know God? That's my challenge. I just go, everything I do every day, I just look at how can I draw people to the knowledge of Jesus? Because if you don't do that, you're not living according to your purpose. You're living to yourself. And then what happens is you're living in an air-conditioned building because you'll seek the comforts of this world. If you know who you are, and you know who you are called to be, then when challenges come, you know, you know that you know that whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord's. Yeah. You know, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace going, we will not bow down to your eye. We don't care what happens next because we worship only one God. That's because they knew what position they were in. Today, focus on what your position is. And if you're in a winter, right? If you know me long enough, you'll know that I've had a few winters. Probably some people have had worse winters. But the winters, in my opinion, is where I've had the most growth as a Christian. The most, most the building of my faith. When you're in that, dis, that point of despair, when you don't know what's going to happen, and sometimes that, I remember one winter went for 18 months, thinking, God, where are you? In the end, realising that it wasn't that God wasn't there, I wasn't with God. And it's, some, it's, some, it's a bit of a hard lesson sometimes we blame God for sometimes it's us yeah. that needs to learn. We need to let something go. Yeah. Um, we need to let an addiction go or whether it's a, a state of mind or whether it's our, 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 our point of view or whatever. Winter. 
can be prolonged because we fail to read the season. And when we're in our air-conditioned building, living in our comfort, we don't see what we need to do, and we then blame God when things don't work out. Now, listen, consider poor old Noah, right? 100 years to build an ark, lots of rain coming. The ark was about 140 metres long, 23 metres wide, and 14 metres high. That's pretty, it's basically like an oil tanker, okay? It wasn't until the 19th century that a ship was ever built of the same size. And it's the perfect balance of a long cargo ship. Not bad for an old bloke. But do you think Noah goes, God goes to Noah, build an ark? He goes, and he says, out of wood, with pitch, make it this big. Noah's probably just living in his, you know, three-bedroom home, you know, a bit of a farmer. He goes, what am I going to do with that? Where am I going to get the wood from? That's our immediate reaction, isn't it? But it, scholars believe that through oral tradition, that Noah built plantations or timber. So his first reaction is, I need wood. Got to grow it. It's the cheapest way to buy it. Can't go down and mine a tent because they charge a fortune. I don't have that sort of money. So he goes and plants five trees. And I reckon he would have done about six full plantation cycles in the hundred years to build the nugget enough timber to build the ark, to go and get the pitch that he needed. So in our winter sometimes, we need to just focus on what's our next step. That's great. What's our next step? We don't have to think about the end. We just got to know what's my next step. What's the next step? I always, when I have a challenge in life, I go, Heavenly Father, can you just teach me what I need to learn so I can do it really quick, so I can get out of this? Because I usually blame myself. I don't blame God. Because I know that God is a God of love. Yeah. You know, Jesus is an amazing person, but he, he's, a, he's a loving father and a loving brother because he wants to teach me something. That is, I'm obviously failing it. And uh, I can tell you, I've had idols in the past, and I, I, I try to cast down my idols as much as I can because I know that idols cost me. They cost me time, they cost me blessing, they cost me because Jesus loves us enough not to bless your idolatry. And your idolatry could just simply be your children. It could be your need for a spouse. It could be your need for a healing. It could be your need for a child. It could be whatever it is that you spend more time thinking about than doing what God's called you to do. God says, go and do my thing. Seek me first, the kingdom of God, and its righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. You know, if you have something that's burning inside you, that you just, that consumes you, lay it down. It's good. Lay it down. That's just your winter. Focus on what you're going to do in spring. Farmers, that's all they do is, what do I need to do in spring? Forget about winter. That's just what happens. Get cold, but we move through. You know, it's like, um, if you ever done a pack march, 15k pack march in the army? You would have done it in the Navy, would you? No, yeah, yeah, done it. The thing about the, the pack march is, <clears throat> you start off, you know, when, when I was a company, company commander, we'd have 120 guys in packets of 30, and uh, they all get in the same step, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, then they change it to F, right, F, right, because it's takes too many words. Um, anyway, the moment you get out of rhythm, yeah. you feel the pain. Yeah. When you're in rhythm, you don't feel the pain. Yeah. 
Well, you feel the pain, but you don't care about the pain because you just get in the rhythm. It's one step after the other, right? But the moment someone gets out of rhythm, guarantee they will fall out. Guarantee. We just need to be in the rhythm of God. Part of that's being in the rhythm of the community of God. Part of that's being in the rhythm and understanding of what the next step is and not worrying about going into our own step. Problem as soon as we go into our own step, our pride takes over, and then all of a sudden we want the air conditioner on and the world goes to pack and ruin. And just look at the world today. We're just aircon lovers. I mean, we just really are. So fear, what's fear? False education appearing real. Our greatest thing is, the cha- is we hate change. Okay? And the world today, you know, I thought the Cold War was bad. You know, growing up in the, in the 70s and the 80s where the threat of a nuclear bomb going off was our greatest threat and the Russians coming over and invading us and, and blowing everything up. You know what I mean? You know, that's what, that was my childhood. Anyone with, with me on that one? Yeah, a few of the old ones anyway. Uh, but you young ones probably don't even understand what the Cold War really was like. I mean, it was, it was a scary time. You know, 1963, the Bay of Pigs and the, and the Cuban, Cuban Missile Crisis, that was, that was two years before I was born, and uh, you sit there and go, I probably wasn't even going to be here, you know, if that all had happened. But today, I think we live in a world that is even more scary. Even more scary. You know, just the agendas and, the, and, the, um, uh, and, and all the organisations that are just in anarchy. And as Christians, what's our call to do in that kind of time? Is it to join the chorus or to stand as a beacon on a hill that draws people to the church? Not that the church is attacking those things. We bring the truth. We become not a counterculture. Come up. Yeah. A, or, oh, sorry, a challenging culture. We become a counterculture. A culture which says, draw people to me. Now, remember the old lobster. He's, um, he grows to a certain size, gets rid of his shell. He's vulnerable for that time. He can be eaten by anything because he doesn't have a hard shell until he grows a new shell. That's his winter or her winter. Sometimes we've got to reach inside to our faith. Paul, uh, Peter says, confesses Jesus and, and Matthew we read, and Jesus said unto his disciple, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And he said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He says to them, but who do you say I am? And, and Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. I tell you this day, Peter, that you'll be the rock on which I build the church and the hells of gate will not prevail against it. When we stand... You are the son of the living God. It doesn't matter what circumstances prevail against me or that try to prevail against me. I know the hells of gate will not because I stand as part of the church of Christ on earth. So what's our next step? You know, winter, you could be fighting. In spring, you're developing skills. In summer, you're assisting others because you're now living in the blessing and go down the beach and have a surf. And autumn, you're in the harvest. Understand your season. Part of that is connecting, being part of a church fellowship, standing like Christian is with his brother. He's fighting for the like. Like I look at people who fight cancer, and I just see, truly, you know, um, we journey, we journey Christian and I with um, 
the particular the shorts down in C3 powerhouse with her breast cancer. And I mean, some days are dark. The facts are bad. Facts are bad. But at the end of the day, do we let the facts consume us? Do we let the facts determine our outcome? Or do we stand on one simple truth? You died and you rose from the dead, and by the power of your resurrection, I now live and I prosper. I may not see that prospering in finances. I may not see that prospering, but I see it in my soul. Yeah. Now, I watch, I watch America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent. I tell you what, you watch a lot of shows and you know, you've got the Muppet Girl who can sing really well and, and that sort of stuff. But if you anyone who watches it, but I tell you the one that's impacted me the most is a girl called Nightbird. You can see something different about her, and I've gone and investigated and find out that she's actually grown up a whole life as a Christian. Right? Because you could tell the moment you saw her that something was different to everybody else that goes on that stage. There was something that was just powerful, the way she spoke, the way she sang. Has anyone seen Nightbird? Yeah. Yeah. Google Nightbird AGT. Just listen to the song, It's Okay. She's in her third fight for cancer. As she said the other day, she's got more cancer than Lilla. Okay? She's 30 years old. But she says, and I'm going to read out her last post that she just read, uh, put out yesterday. And it's, and, you know, you just sit there and you just shake your head. This is a person who's got a 2% chance of survival. You know, he's going to probably, you know, without the grace of God. But you see this victory in her, in her heart that surpasses whatever's going to happen. She says, my life with God has been complicated one. Amen to that, eh? <laughs> I can't really say the complications have been entirely my fault. I think the fair assessment would be that each of us allows the other to experience some degree of discomfort or disappointment in our friendship. I've misunderstood him, and I'm pretty sure he's always understood me, but hasn't necessarily vocal, been vocal about it. How many times has God been silent? You know what I mean? You know? Um, she goes on to say, um, it's not easy being friends with people and friendship with God is no different. Life is complicated and friendship with God does not make, up, make life less complicated. But as I get older, I'm realising that, I I, that I would not have it any other way. Internally, I, have, I sometimes wish that life would just be perfect. But I now rather it be free. We live in a fallen world. Life's not fair. You know, people say, is there justice in the world? I go, no, there's the law. If you want justice, well, that's when God comes back. Because the law is not always just. That's just from my own experience. She goes on to say, um, but I now think it's a mistake to presume that a perfect world would be better than a free world. Love needs a place to live, to grow, and to prove itself. And it can only happen where tragedy is possible. Still, sometimes life is so much to bear. Occasionally, in extreme circumstances, injects itself into your life and so your life of love, laugh, and sorry, live life and love. Sorry, live, laugh and love. Sign, you know that sign that proves to be absurd in your time. She goes on, please forgive me if I've offended you, but I have a better friendship with God because I remain soft-hearted, tender towards him in a life 
where sometimes nothing makes sense. I sometimes think that we just need to know our position. When we know our position, we can stand and declare that the hells of gate will not prevail, that I am a chosen son or daughter of the living God, and through the power of his resurrection, I will live in eternity. It is in this positioning, no matter what comes our way, we will no longer fear, because perfect love casts out all fear. We live in a perfect love, no fear. Because once we get consumed by fear of what this is going to happen, or that could happen, or that could happen, or that could happen, I can tell you, you will fail. I can tell you now that as a policeman, training prevents me from being overcome by fear. Do I go into situations not scared? No, I do. You know, I've got my gun drawn, I'm out, you know, we're going, you know, bad dudes there, you know, uh, we're fighting people, you know. Um, but I have confidence in my training and the training of those with me that I will provide and that we will provide. Have confidence in the training that you have with God. And if you're not training with God, start training with God. Because if you train with God, you will then gain confidence. And it's in the winters of my life I now have confidence that I will prevail against anything. I don't think anything could come my way now because I usually go, is that the best you got? I'm actually going to buy a um, medieval sword because um, I like to be animated when I pray. And I've got a big barn now with a big roof. And I just want to be able to declare and block some people that are bad in my prayer to be able to just go out there and attack it because that's my spirit now is not one of defeat but one of declaring victory but that only comes because you stand in the position that God has put you in and you stand there and say regardless of what happens in this world today regardless of the fact that the share market collapsed last year and my superannuation lost a fortune Regardless of whatever happens, I know God is with me. And through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, I am one of his. In Psalms 41, uh, sorry, 40 verse 1, I wait patiently for the Lord, and he inclines to me and hears my cry. He draws out of the pit of destruction, out of, out of the miry bog, and sets my feet on a rock makes my ste uh, steps secure. He puts a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God, our God. May, uh, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes, uh, makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to, uh, to those who go astray after a while. God says, stand, stand. Stand where I put you and withstand. And that is the victory that God has called us to. Turn the air conditioner off, get used to winter, because winter is here. And, it, and say, I'm looking forward to the preparations for spring. What do I need to do now, Lord? What's my next step? And as um, Marcus Aurelius uh, the, in the gladiator said, 
What we do in life echoes through eternity. And you know, Songbird, whatever happens to her, I can tell you she has impacted greatly the world today. And her faith is declared. And her victory is already won. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.